This is Your Working Life, a podcast show that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a career and executive coach, and on today's show, I am delighted to welcome Becca, an extraordinary professional, to the show. Today, we're going to be doing our real time coaching series where I work with Becca to help her navigate some career challenges and provide solutions for our global listening audience. Becca, welcome. I'm so glad you're with me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me here. Hey, let's get started because you are really emerging as an extraordinary leader in your career, and you're doing some great work. And I know you had some questions that involved uh, a career shift or, or career change. I know you're getting married. This is so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. And you and your partner are thinking, okay, do we navigate this path solo or together? So let's talk about that. What, what specific questions do you have? Yeah. So my first concern uh, or my primary concern is that his job is in academia. So he's looking for uh, jobs as an English professor. And that's a pretty difficult field. Um, So I I guess one of the questions I have is, you know, whose career do we prioritize? You know, the one who's might be the easiest time finding a job or the one who might have the more difficult time. And, And, you know, really, are we kind of stuck looking all over the country? Or do we have any chance of sticking around our family, which is where we want to be? Yeah. First of all, excellent question. Really good scenario that so many of our listeners can relate to. And let me break it down a little bit, because I think so often we out in the world of work think it's an either or scenario. And the truth is you need to approach it as a hybrid. Both of you are forging great careers and you both deserve the very best. And one shouldn't have to sacrifice for the other. So let me tell you the really good thing about careers and academia, specifically in in higher ed, is that often they have an opportunity to help the spouse or the partner find work as well. So since your future husband is uh, an academic with a very specific focus on English, right, that particular academic discipline, when he's negotiating job offers with colleges and universities, he should say, hey, my wife is extraordinary. Let's talk about how we can also have her hired in her field. And that That is very common these days, and it's absolutely appropriate. So you're actually part of a wonderful professional package. The two of you are this dynamic duo. And I would encourage you, when he is negotiating offers, to bring you into that equation. So that school can also look for opportunities for you. And let me clarify, it doesn't mean you have to work at the university as well. They can expand their network to introduce you to people in the extended community. Wow. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. So it is sadly a well-kept secret, and and I'm grateful that you asked. But let's also talk about one other thing, because I get it. Sometimes it's, well, is it the chicken or the egg? You know, if he gets a great gig or I get a great gig, I would tell you, do your due diligence. And and I can't speak to this with any authority, but I know that academia ebbs and flows with availability of tenure-track professor contracts, for example. And I don't know the saturation of the English market, of the English scholar. So I would say do that demographic research and find out, is this a really good time? Uh, My inkling is that we are in need of succession plan faculty members. There is a cadre of uh, baby boomers who are retiring. So he may be poised beautifully to fill a niche. Uh, Likewise, you have great experience as well. So just know what the supply and the demand is and figure out if one is harder to fill, focus on that one. And the other one will more likely have an easier time finding a job. I can't tell you right now which 
one is going to be harder, but do that market research. So what else? What else are you thinking about? What keeps you up at night? Besides your fabulous wedding, which I'm sure is beautifully <laughs> planned and ready to go. It's coming up, yeah? It is July 22nd. Oh, very exciting. So yeah. Well, related to that, I guess money is always a concern. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I so this is only my second full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, I, I hadn't previously done a, a salary negotiation before, um, even when I accepted this one, but a, a little after a year after I started, I decided I wanted to go ahead and, and try to negotiate my salary uh, for an increase. That's great. Um, and and there were it was a confusing process. It was something where like I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily feel like I had the best communication from my superiors as far as what step we were in the process. Mm-hmm. And so I guess just like what what would you say for somebody who's early career like me? Um, how how do you go about negotiating a salary for the first time? Well, one, I'm proud of you because you'll never get it if you don't ask. And you'd be surprised how many don't ask, whether it's that initial starting salary or, you know, you've been in the job for a while and you're looking for a promotion or an upgrade. So thank you for asking. Number one, do that research and find out what peers in the organization at the same level of experience and credentialing are earning. And sadly, so many organizations aren't transparent with that information, but it's okay to do some sleuthing because you need a comparison. It's like buying a house. You wouldn't buy a house on a street that had the same amenities and the same features for hundreds of thousands of more dollars if other houses were at a certain market rate. You need to know what your market value is. And if your peers or the organization aren't forthcoming with that salary information, there are some great resources online. Salary.com is one of my favorites. Glassdoor is also good. Those are free websites. And you can also go to the federal government. It is the U.S. Department of Labor has something called the Occupational Outlook Handbook. And it's a wonderful resource about salary respective to geographic areas. So one, know your value. And two, make a list of what you do really well and why you're worthy of a promotion. It's not just, I want this. That's important. Don't get me wrong. But Here's why I deserve this. And think like a lawyer and make a case and prove through great accomplishments and examples your great work and add value to that great work because that conversation needs to happen with a boss. Okay. And I'm, I'm wondering, too, I have another question about uh, you know, I'm not looking for a job right now, but I think I probably will be in the next couple of years. So I feel like I need to start preparing for that process immediately that, you know, where I am sort of getting myself ready because I know it can be a, a long and drawn out thing. Um, and, and, you know, I have a resume that I keep up to date, but I feel like more and more employers are expecting more, especially from mm-hmm. someone in the media like I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just don't really know how to get started with like a portfolio of my work or ways to show that I know what I'm doing. So a couple of things. You may have heard of the phrase network before you need it. So you really should always be looking for a job. And that doesn't mean that you don't like the current gig, that you're not happy where you are, but a savvy professional, and I count you among them, should always be looking a step down the road. And is this a place where I can grow and develop or do I need to go out in order to grow and develop? Because you're not at the end of your career, you're at the front end of your career. So I'm, I'm proud of you of being pro, for being proactive. So yes, cultivate that network now, even though the move may not be imminent, you know, even though the actual job change may be a year or more out. And be seen and heard, Becca, in the marketplace. You mentioned a portfolio. One of the easiest on 
online portfolios that is still free is LinkedIn. You know, it is really your personal website that you can customize. You are a media professional. You can add um, wonderful uh, video. You can add audio. So you can have all this rich media example uh, opportunities to showcase your work. You can have writing samples, any number of things that really exemplify your professional skills. You can also have a website, you know, that is a great place for people to check you out. But at the end of the day, LinkedIn has over 500 million people. That's a hell of a network. And why not let them find you? So use the algorithms of LinkedIn. If you have over 500 people that you follow, you're more likely to be found by a recruiter. So my number one advice is fire up LinkedIn. It is the place for professional networking. Okay. Are you on LinkedIn? Uh, I think so. <laughs> okay, my dear, that's your mission, right? So if you think so, this is a good opportunity to, to grow and use that tool. And it's an interesting phenomenon because younger professionals, and this is not a negative or a pejorative statement, younger professionals aren't using LinkedIn like older professionals are. And I think that will shift because the reality is if you interview for a job, they're going to do their reconnaissance and check you out on LinkedIn. They've already Googled you, right? So they found your, your Facebook and your Twitter and your Instagram and, you know, keep that clean, right? So you have the right professional image. But the reality is LinkedIn is where they're going to find out about your professional experience. So use it as an online portfolio and, and talk about the great things that you do. Yeah, good question. I have another question, if that's Bring okay. Bring it on. Um, I think I hear a lot uh, when I talk to sort of people who've been in the industry longer than I have about mentors and, yeah. and how helpful that can be. And I don't know, Is I, I guess, is that still something that can be helpful? And if it is, should I be looking for a mentor where I am or someone who is maybe at a different organization but with similar career path? Yes, yes, and yes. And let me unpack that for you. So, again, I'm so proud of you. You're such a smart woman to know the power of mentorship. And you are not um, – too young to actually be a mentor for other people as well. You know, I think reverse mentorship is alive and well. So I would encourage you to see how you can also pay it forward. And you don't have to mentor someone younger than you. You know, there may be wonderful wisdom that you can share for an older or more experienced professional. So just think about that. So mentors are people in your career space who have been there and done that. They're confidants. They're trusted people who can give you some wisdom and expertise. You should have some in-house in your organization. And you should also have some out. And I'll tell you why. That's a safe space uh, relationship, you can't always talk real with your colleagues and certainly not your boss. And, you know, I'm not telling anybody anything that we don't already know. You need those confidential relationships where you can have an objective outside resource. And I often find those mental relationships for me outside of my workplace. I'll tell you what's really cool when you take a mentor to what we call a sponsor level, Becca. And a sponsor is really, uh, we say this jokingly in the career development world, a sponsor is a mentor on steroids. And they are someone who's going to go above and beyond for you and put their professional neck on the line and say, Becca's extraordinary. She's earned my trust. She deserves this opportunity. And I am going to champion her. Where a mentor might not take it that far. Now, the reality is you can ask anybody to be your mentor, and sometimes it just happens organically. You can't ask for a sponsor. They find you. So another reason to be seen and heard and do great work and uh, talk about what you do really well so sponsors can gravitate toward you. So I think you're very sponsorable, my dear, and I hope you <laughs> have great success finding sponsors. 
All right. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Anything else? Anything that you think, oh, can I really ask this? Because you can. So I guess when I when I was going through the process to ask for a raise, I actually uh, had the opportunity to apply for a different job that was in the salary range that I was asking for. Yeah. Um, and I went through the interview process and uh, sort of tried to use that as leverage yeah. uh, in my negotiations. And it seemed – I guess I feel like there's some fine lines between like what's ethical. Um, like is it – is it okay to not let the the other job know that you're have no intention of taking that job that it's just a sort of leverage thing or, or you know how, how do you yeah how, how do, do you navigate, navigate that, that I yeah guess? I, I'm I'm so grateful that you've asked that because everybody's thinking that and it is a slippery slope but let me just be really candid with you as I always will be it's smart to go out and look for outside offers to be able to leverage the salary and also show that you're a competitive candidate and that other people want to hire you however the 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 moral compass right the code of ethics is only apply for things that you would really be prepared to take, especially if you got an offer, because there is always a slight, and even though it's slight, possibility that employer number A, where you work already, says, hey, Becca, knock yourself out. That's a great deal. I can't match it. And, you know, you don't want to be stuck then trying to get your old job back. So I would say, yes, leverage that, but be authentic and honest and say, is this a job offer that I might really accept if it is the better of the two offers on the table. And unfortunately, you really can't let the secondary job know that you're using it for leverage. And I know that's a a tricky scenario, but if you were that candid, they wouldn't push you through the interview process, right? So you just have to go in very authentically and honestly saying, I could possibly take this if it's the right offer. And you know, Becca, at the end of the day, there are so many other variables. So it's okay to be a competitive player and put yourself out there and then make a decision based on what's the best fit for you. That's okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that's all that I needed today. Awesome. Well, you are a rock star. I want to thank you for joining me on Your Working Life for our real-time coaching session. Becca, I learned a lot from you today, so I thank you very much. And hey, if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review and let us know what career-related questions you have, and we can address them on the show. So tweet me at cdowdhiggins or send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.